This is Stacking Pennies, guys. We are joined by a millionaire. He might not be a millionaire, but his driver is Ryan Blaney. Million-dollar winner. We're going to break some of that down. He joins us for spare change here later in the week, but we are joined by his front tire changer himself, just like every week. But now he's special. We're going to give him a little more of the mic, uh, let him take it away. Break down some all-star stuff, that pit crew competition, window net, gate, everything else involved. We're joined by the regional president of the USO, Mr. Jim Whaley. They're on my car this weekend. It looks super cool. Headed in the Coke 600. Staying right in. This is Stacking. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. All right, guys, this is Stacking Pennies. I'm Corley Joy, driver of the number seven Chevy Camaro, joined by none other than all-star winner himself, front tire changer for Ryan Blaney, Mr. Ryan Flores. Round of applause. Yeah, it was a good one. How's it feel? I, it was. It felt really awkward at first when we jumped over the wall. And You're sitting a little bit crooked. Is it because your wallet's so fat in your back pocket? Right? I have no more money than I did when I, I actually spent some at Bucky's. <laughs> Bought your kid and my kid's matching bathing suits. So, yes, I'm, you owe me $7. I'll, uh, I'll Venmo you that. Okay. And it'll never come ever. <laughs> uh, I'm joined by uh, also good friend, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. And then Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes, Mr. Jonathan Merriman. How are you? I'm great. Could have been a little bit better if I had a chance to race for a million bucks the other night. I appreciate everybody who voted. I don't appreciate everybody else who voted for Eric Jones. I don't get it. Who do you think Landon voted for? Who? Because he brought the caution out that cost you a stage three win. We had some inter-team tomorrow conversation. Had he not backed that thing in the fence? You were gone. I had her in the win, bud. Yeah, dude. I had the old built bar Camaro in the win for that second stage. We stayed out. Clean air, guys, is worth everything they say it's worth, and then some. It's worth about four-tenths of a second. We were running 29.70s in traffic, tire for tire, and I leave on 20-lap tires and pick up four-tenths of a second. I thought you were screwed when you stayed out. So did I. I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. They proved me wrong. I'm like, yeah. oh, he's I had keeping faith. Bottom. Appreciate that. I had faith. And I, and I thought it was pretty looking pretty freaking good there for a little while. Yeah. There would have been only two outcomes had that thing went green. It would have been the seven car winning that stage or the seven and the 99 both firewall deep in the fence. You almost are, were. Are you guys on good terms now? You and the Amigo? We wouldn't have been. Yeah. Had we not got a caution, because it'd have been like he wouldn't have got, he wouldn't have passed me. There had been no, no option there where he passes me clean, because we're racing to get in the All Star race. A younger Corey would have wrecked in the three. Yeah, so I missed the bottom because I got tight. So these things get tighter when somebody's on your door because it take I don't know it does some weird stuff to diffuser pressure. And I went into three and got super tight, missed the bottom, and that allowed the seventeen to get to my left rear, and I was in a precarious spot. After that. Just didn't fall our way, unfortunately. We did not have a chance to race for a million bucks. I've got a hot take. I don't think that there should be an open. I could even argue there shouldn't even be an all-star race. But we'll get into that here shortly because I'm going to ask you guys your opinion on how to fix it. There was multiple issues. You can't lump all the stuff on Sunday night into one thing. Three separate issues. One, the missed ball and strike call on NASCAR's behalf. I'd throw in that caution for no apparent reason. Number two, Texas is the worst track on the schedule anymore. They completely messed it up, and I'll hammer that uh, until they reconfigure it. Number three, the all-star race needs to move to after the season's over for only the playoff contenders. They, don't, they shouldn't give guys who can't win 
all year long or make the playoffs a chance to race their way in. If you can't earn it during the year, you don't get a chance to be in the All-Star race. That's a hot take because I'm biased because I don't, I haven't earned my spot, and the fans can't earn me a spot apparently either. So let the guys who have earned it and deserved it race for a million bucks. Guys well, like Ryan Flores. Well, at least you got beat on the fan vote by a guy with a ton of personality. Yep. So that was good. He's really out there. He's really out there doing it. So, um, Instagram and podcasting. I do like that you. Uh, I do like the the, th- the thought of having it after the season. I haven't ever thought about that, but it's it's also like the All Star break. But it's not I, a break. I enjoy the All Star race. I I just feel. I bet like, you did. <laughs> you won it. Well, yeah, that was good. That was good. But Take like, bias. man, the more that I get involved with racing and I am around, you know, different aspects of the sport, whether it's short track racing or on the pit crew side or even coming in here, fans. People that work in the sport, the NASCAR community, are some of the best people at sniffing out bull****. So when you try gimmicky stuff and it appears gimmicky, you automatically lose the crowd. So we don't have to. Our racing's good enough. Yeah. We don't have to, you know, throw cautions to, to have a green-white checker. We don't have to, you know, have stages with weird rules. Like, we could have a race with four stages. You have to take four tires every time. Just race. Let's line them up and see who's the best. And yeah. um, at a short be, track, I would like to see almost like what the NBA does, where we're at, where we're somewhere for like, you know, a weekend or three or four days, where we have a pit Nashville. crew competition. Like I would like to see Nashville, where they do the burnouts. That's where we do the pit crew competition. I think that could be a really cool idea. Um, st- stuff like that, you know, have the engine building competition in town. Hey, give the fans a lot of time to ex- experience the sport and interact with the teams, but. I don't make those. If decisions. you had, if you had, there was no strings attached, and you they gave you the keys for a day to fix the All Star race. What do you do? Man, I don't. I think that's a that's a really tough question. Like, I think it'd be easy if to sit here and say, "Oh, do this," but like to think about it and actually come up with a like we could think think about it and come up with logical explan like explanations. But I I think. That that's what it is. Is you engage more with fans. Like even if we came back to Charlotte, I, I think the pit competition in front of everybody would be great. I think, you know, getting the road crews involved, getting the pit crews involved, having it about maybe a three day deal with different competitions with the teams. That that's how you get your starting spot through accumulating points. I I like that type of stuff. But yeah, I don't know exactly what track or if it alternates, or if you, you know, if, if a North Wilkesboro is even a possibility and, and it becomes a commodity ticket because they don't have a lot of seating. Chuck, what was it that set the All-Star race apart like, 10 years ago? That's, that's, to me, that's a bit of a loaded question, right? That's why I asked it. Because the, the All-Star race has constantly evolved over time. Since its inception, There, it's rarely been the same thing two years in a row, right? Mm. Like... It, it's always sort of like trying things out. And part of me like enjoys that aspect of it. Now, I think when you had COVID and things moved around, that shifted things around a little bit. And, and it kind of just like took the mindset out of that weekend, right? The, that it's, it's a big show. Yeah. Like it's a big, it's a big deal. And a lot of things that used to happen, like speed street is coming back this year for, the 600. So you have that, like it was an event. Yeah. And I think because of the situation that we were in for the past couple of years, we didn't have that. We couldn't have that. And it's now starting to find its footing again. And is this, is this the end of the world? No. Is the all-star race going to be great next year? 
probably. Like sometimes a lot of variables to that. Sometimes you have a miss. I don't want to be like a homer, right? But but you won. We won, and that was great. And we're you know, but what were the what were good things? Like I I saw a lot of good stuff. I saw a lot of good stuff going on in the infield. I saw a lot more fans than I've ever seen at the All Star race. I agree. Right? Like the the racing product was a little bit too gimmicky, right? But like, and the racing's not going to be great there. But we wrecked some shit. Right, we had some exciting stuff that happened. You, you, you saw people blowing tires and and using their stuff. I cannot understand why Kyle Busch would win the stage, have the pole guaranteed, and just stay out and not you know come in to check if he had a tire problem. Like I can't figure that out. But like as far as all star races, even at Charlotte, they weren't great. No, and to me, I enjoyed the qualifying concept of seeing the teams go head to head and having the drivers involved like the drivers are in the car like all of that going on like could that be adjusted slightly sure but for a concept of it i was intrigued by it watching it on tv to me it made for good television so i thought that the qualifying bracket had some potential to like produce something exciting what i would do to fix it which isn't worth a hill of beans i would move them back to where they start on pit road and put the pit boxes like right in the center pit lane. And then you race to the next yellow line at the end. And then you call it. Cause the, the lap was like, okay, that's it. Like yeah, let's, you got off pit we'll road wait first. another 30 seconds. So like, Oh yep, yeah. Same guy left first one. So I think the length of pit road would be more exciting. That way it's right in front of the people watching. But seeing the two, and I know y'all will get into it in boats and woes, but seeing the two pit crews side by side was just, you normally see them lined up like this, and it's just not the same. But seeing it head on, side by side, like I was fascinated. Were you there in person? I was not. I wish Fox would have covered it a little bit better. I wish they had some overhead cams. That way you can see, like, and showed because they had had the pan shots, and you couldn't really see who was leading the stop. But I'll let you so I'll let you brag a little bit. I heard uh, before we jumped on that the twelve team may or may not have run the fastest. Now is this not you? You complain about uh, whose watch I was, just was joking. it? Yeah. Whose watch was I'm it? I'm not. I'm not claiming fastest stop in NASCAR history, but I'm also not saying it wasn't. What was it? it was fast enough. <laughs> not fast enough to win. Faster than them guys, but not fast enough to win. They did a great job executing the way they stopped real far back in the box and that that How, launched. What was that worth? You think? Uh, whatever Three, he won tenths. by. Whatever he won by for yeah. sure. It, and it was pretty smart on their part, but just. You know, I I was kind of caught off guard because, like, I was in it. So I really was, like, enjoyed it. And all of my guys, like, we were all really stoked about it. But then I got back to the garage. People were like, that was stupid. And I'm like, why? Wait, like, I've been doing this stuff a long time, and that's one of the coolest deals I've ever done. Now, granted, I'm biased because I'm in the middle of it. But I, I, really, I really liked it. And, yeah, we can pick it apart all we want. But it was a pretty cool event. And, and – you know, like, yeah, the bottom lane launched a little better, but if you want the bottom lane, you got to qualify a little better, you know, in the first round. I'd like to see more teams in it, but, yeah, Fox might have not covered it well because it's the first time we've yeah. done it, and it'll just get better and better. You know, like, we, we tend to get overly critical and not and not work together, and, and the, the all-star race doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. It's it. Somebody, I'll use this analogy about talking about Star Wars, since there's a new Star Wars thing coming out Friday, that... When you realize, like, when you go see a movie, people tend to pick that stuff apart, like, every little detail. But at the end of the day, were you entertained? Did you have a good time when you're watching it? If the answer is yes, then 
what are you worried about? Like, if you can take all of the details and all like the arguing and go, bickering back and forth, at the end of the day, was an exciting to watch. Well, unfortunately, ninety-one percent of the people said no on Jeff Gluck's poll. And so, what does that tell us? Tell us we need to change it up. Can I just give you all my idea what in fantasy world All Star Race would look like? Yes. Sixteen playoff guys plus the Xfinity Series champion, plus the Truck Series champion. Whoever fields the car, we can figure that out later. Let those two guys, since they earn their keep, earn their championship, plug them in to race on in the big show. Wednesday night at Nashville Fairgrounds, pit crew competition like that was, like I just said, to do your qualifying spot. And then also, you have to go to a place where the financial incentive for making a bonehead move is enough to justify making the bonehead move. million bucks, Eh, isn't quite it. Let's just say it's three million bucks to win. Now, somebody's driving in the corner on a green white checkered eight car lengths too deep to see if they can win three million bucks. Like that's the table you have to set to make people really do stuff they wouldn't do in a normal race because they're racing for a normal amount of money. Corey's over there adjusting for inflation. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk, I mean, that's been the thing, right? A million, racing for a million bucks. Well, the Daytona 500 pays 2.2 million bucks. And you win Texas in the fall, and it pays almost a million bucks for a no, normal points race. So nothing differentiates the all-star race right now from any other race besides being super gimmicky. Well, I mean, I do think you have a point with, like, I don't, when I think about it, I, I go back and forth, like, all right, let's go spec car, spec motor, basically IROC, right? Like in my head. But then again, if you go do that, it's not a NASCAR Cup Series all-star race because you're not racing a NASCAR Cup Series car. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, there's a there's a lot to digest there. And obviously, you know, it's a it, – when this comes out on Wednesday, like we said, it'll be a, a – a horse that's been beaten yeah, pretty hard. You can hear it whinnying in the back. Yeah, but uh, oh yeah, old Nelly's back. But but you know the bad part is you know people are up in arms about the race to begin with, and it was okay, you know, and we got the lead there at the end. But the icing on the cake was yes. was the late race caution, and and the fact like, that's the late made... race caution wouldn't even have been that bad if we if Blaney hadn't put his window net down. But yeah. in his defense, people are like, well, you got to know the race was over. You didn't get. You got to know the rules. Like, hey. By that point in time where he was, we're already on the radio celebrating. Yeah. He's already talking on the radio. So, like, on the radio talk, great job. And then by the time we get to the backstretch and we figure out, hey, the race isn't over, his net's already down because he, you know, his, his the way he celebrates, takes the net down, waves the fans. That's yeah. what he does. That whole, that whole deal just That's left the first a lot thing. to be desired. That's the first thing I do when I cross the start finish line as I'm reaching for the window net. Like, like. Get me out of this thing. I do the same thing when I pull in the driveway. I take seatbelt off. Like pulling the neighborhood. Yeah. It just, I'll do it and I don't even think about it. I pull in the, the driveway Chick-fil-A like, parking lot. Like, oh. I don't have any, why do I take my seatbelt off? You just do it. It's muscle memory. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what it is because also every other race in the schedule, if the caution comes out that close to the, or even after the white flag, the next flag ends it. So, is all that time in between the elation of winning that Ryan had to the time he just plopped that window net down. It just put icing and a cherry on top of a cake. And that's what made it really a bad thing to taste for the fans, I think. Never had a bad cake in my life. Look at me. I could tell. <laughs> what was it like, though, like seeing the car, not quite knowing, caution comes out, checker flag, you guys are sh- shaking hands, slapping each other on the ass, saying good game, and then they're like, oh, wait a second, we just we haven't won just yet. Yeah, it sucked. 
uh, the best was there was like some drunk fan. Like, cause you know, everybody kind of accumulates around your pit box when you're going to win cameras and everybody. So there's like some drunk fan. He's like, is he going to get it latched? Is he going to, what's going to, and you could hear him like when they were talking on the radio, you could hear him, what's going to happen? I just left, dude. I, I just walked away. Like I went to Porter John down the, down in turn four. I'm like, I'm out of here. We'll see how this shakes out. But it, it made it really awkward, the race? you know, the second time when you win, because then when you finally win, it's like, cool. you know, it's a, that's a, that's a, say what you want. It's a crown jewel race, man. You get a ring for that race. You want to yes. win that race. Right. Yes. And that's one where you need to be like running out in the grass and greeting your driver. And it yeah. just, we kind of lost all that. Um, so that was, that stunk, but it, man, it was great to win. And, and that still is not an easy race to win. You have to keep yourself in the all-star races is a hard race to win. There's a reason that so many people, when they win the all-star race, especially our last two champions won the all-star race. Yeah. So it, it definitely sets up a driver and shows the strength of a team that go on and win a championship. Now, I feel like last week I said something about the 12 car winning and I got ridiculed by Jonathan. Just say, well, say you you're sorry. <laughs> win a points paying race, Skip. <laughs> yeah. He's won a points paying race. He won the Daytona 500. Well, to that point, Chuck, yeah. Penske finished 1-3-4. Have I, they figured out a little bit of speed? I don't think they figured out how to get along because Blaney and the two car were smashed into irritated each other. each other again. I'm just fueling the flames, Skip. I want you want you want next fire, to that though. team. Like, I, I, if teammates aren't necessarily getting along on the track, that means that there's this drive to win, and I want that on a team. Well, Ryan was frustrated with Ross uh, with with the restart, and then it, he was just frustrated in general. I think some of his frustration came out on Austin. And you and you also have to look back and remember what happened at Daytona, right? Like Austin put him in the fence, win the 500, and Blaney was frustrated about that. But what what you hear in the car is not what's going to be talked about on Tuesday, no. right? Like it's going to be fixed. Um, you think about how many people you cuss out on the way home from yeah. work. Me, it's like, I, you know, I don't cuss anybody. It's at least out. thirty. I heard oh, there was. Come on. I heard there was really only only run one reason why Ryan uh, won this weekend. I heard it was a lucky charm. Oh, the old the rock. Yeah. Yeah, so Harper gave me this this rock with eyeballs, uh, like googly eyeballs. <laughs> like paint, it was like she called it Mister Rocky Rock. Where I was getting ready to leave the house, and we left at like one o'clock. So we went and had like a morning breakfast and everything. And then she was like, "I don't want you to leave." Like she's at that age where she gets upset when you're leaving, and she's like, "I'm like, sorry, you gotta go." So she's like, "Hold on." She runs and grabs this rock, and she goes, "Take this with you and remember me." And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be home tomorrow, babe. <laughs> She's like, all right. So I just took it and we just started taking, I just started taking pictures of it all weekend. So like getting on the plane, strapped it in next to Pat, you know, the Jackman on two car, took a picture of it and in the air and then at Bucky's and kind of through the, and I'm like, it just ended up like I have a whole reel. I was going to make a video of it on my phone and it just ends up in victory lane. Like I got it inside the pit gun and I was just sending it to her yeah. cause she was upset I was leaving and, and it just really turned into a cool story and came to victory lane. So I'm not going to use it every weekend, but when we need it, pull her out, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking it with you me bring for it sure. The Coke 600 this weekend, Mr. Rocky rock. I maybe, I don't want to listen. That's a long night. It's a long night. I'm going to use it for sure. Need to get that 12 card in the playoffs. 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 We're talking about playoffs. Talking about playoffs. Yeah. yeah, we are. I mean, you have to. Yeah, you should. Because there might be more winners than there are playoff spots. We're going to break down that here. Uh, after the break, we're going to break down a little bit of pit road boats and woes, more so than we just did. So y'all stick around right here. Stack and pit.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we're back. Pit Road Boats and Woes. Y'all were in the final. That 12 team is clicking on all cylinders, narrowly lost out to the 18 car. Explain to the listeners a couple of the little factors that factor in that yeah it was really cool to be a part of um and and to make the finals was a big deal you, you kind of stand there and you don't know if you're going to be in it because you're waiting to see if your guys in the top eight so uh, a lot of good pickers didn't get the pit like the 11 the 22 who actually won the, the hundred thousand dollars the next day they didn't even get a chance at it but when you look at it really i think the strongest team was maybe the five car they had the fastest first stop at a, at a nine six Kyle stalled it in the second round, and yeah. you saw guys like, you know, that there was a little Eric bit of confusion. was the first one just sleeping? The green I, light was on, and he's like, it, it, "Car wasn't even on." Do I go? Oh, it wasn't. No, it wasn't even on. <laughs> so that, so that sucked. And then you know, the five car when he stalled it, the eighteen had their worst stop. They had a ten three, so very beatable at that point. Thomas fell down uh, the front, right front left rear changer fell down coming around the car. So so they really could have gotten beat there, but they make it to the finals, and, and you know, it just just to see. You know, two guys, two two teams dropped the jack so closely and race off pit road. It was, I thought it was really cool. We drew the one team first. We've been talking about them all year, um, how good they are. I talk crap to them every week about how bad they are at kickball. So it was good to beat them. But yeah, it was it was a special event to be a part of. For sure. Who had they had, did they actually? Did they never showed pit stop times on the screen. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I don't know that. I don't know if they they were super prepared f- for all of that. Yeah. Just because it was it was kind of a last minute deal, we got the rules for it the night before because I think it was just getting navigated through how it was all going to be done. But once we went out there and did it, it was it was cool and to see you know next to each other for the fans, you know, a Gibbs choreography and a, and a normal choreography was really cool. But one thing with that I saw with the nineteen was in the outside stall, the room in between walls was very narrow. And you're behind the wall guys have to do so much more and move so much more that that actually caused a problem for them. And they ended up breaking one of the regulators on the bottle. I don't know if that's exactly why, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to see. I know that if we would have got lane choice, it would have put them in a bad, in a bad position, but we didn't. And we still executed the pit stop, finished second overall for that. And it put us in position to win the race on Sunday. So you guys failed tech twice, uh, during inspection. So you didn't get a pit selection for the all-star race. Did that a factor in to that opportunity to win a, a hundred grand? A thousand percent. Yeah. If you look at how it was won, the 22, the 10, and the four car had the best pit stops. They were all three identical times on the NASCAR time when you look at the computer. But Joey was seven hundredths better rolling than anybody else. And, and when you have to angle out like that, we didn't have the cleanest stop. We still had a 10. 
But, you know, when you have to leave around a car, you do lose a lot of time. We're just talking hundreds of a second here. So, yeah, we were more at that point running second, having to keep our track position. We, there's been a lot of talk all year about how fast the pit stops are and everything. But where we're at right now, you know, our goal is not, you know, a fast pit stop time. It's the result of what we're doing. And we're just trying to keep Ryan in the race. And our goal is to win races. Whatever we have to do on pit road to keep him to win a race and, and ultimately win a championship, our goal is not doing a nine one. It's nice to do that every now and then, but if that's your goal, man, it, it's a it's a it gets pretty sticky pretty quick. Now, is there anything that's been a little bit of uptick in that Ford performance, especially uh, Penske in particular, because they finished one three four? We haven't been used to seeing those guys up front here lately. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what's weird about this season, and it's been the craziest part to me as someone that's been in the sport. You know, my entire adult life, I've never seen it. You look at Joey, 27th at Dover, dominate Darlington, 18th at Kansas, then Solid. You know, in position at, at Texas. Last week, we, we you know, we were in position with Ryan, and we, we were running, you know, third or fifth on the last stage, and we drove all the way to 12th, you know. We just weren't very good. And you go back to the same package the next week, and he was more or less the dominant car all day. When we could hang with the 18 early in the race like that, I knew we had a good car. And then once those guys started wrecking, I was like, oh, we really got a shot at this. So it's just been a crazy season as far as that goes and the competition of it. Do you think Ryan Blaney will buy a boat with that million bucks? I think he's more of a landlocked guy. More of a landlocked guy? I don't think, yeah. he's. So no he's pit road guy. boat for Ryan Blaney this week? No boat. Maybe a maybe just a beer. There'll be some beers flowing tonight at his charity Top Golf uh, event for sure. So old Ryan Blaney likes to have a good time, especially when that twelve car finds victory lane. So there you have it, pit road boats and woes with the champ himself, Ryan Flores, on Ryan Blaney's front tires, zinging away. Fuel your cravings with Coca Cola Racing and Burger King. Sign up for Royal Perks and play the Thirst for Speed game on the Burger King app daily for a chance to win a VIP race experience or 10 grand. That's a lot of pennies. See details and rules at bk.com forward slash Coke Thirst for Speed. We have breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, breaking news by none other than Bob Pockers himself tweeted out. Charlotte Motor Speedway says reserved grandstand seats are sold out for the 600 on Sunday. Standing room only for turn four deck is available as well as infield wristbands. Let's forget about all the nonsense, all the bad stuff that we happen to have and talked about for this past week. Let's talk about the good stuff because we are sold out for the Coke 600, ladies and gentlemen. All is right in the world of NASCAR. Let's just forget about the All-Star Race. Let's move on to the longest race of the year. I enjoyed the All-Star Race. I'm glad know, you I don't did. Know what everybody's problem I didn't. Is. I was in a plane. I had a hell of a night. I was in a plane, didn't watch one lap of it. I'll be completely honest, because y'all couldn't get me in the show. I couldn't get myself in the show. Neither could y'all. Didn't want it bad enough. But I, I am in the so. Coke 600. We do know that. You are there. Because it's like a participation trophy. You can just show up. Well, you, well I mean. You can just show up. Yeah, but no, it's not a participation trophy. Dude, it's one, of, it's one of your top nights as a cup driver happened at that race. Yeah, I run 12th and 32, which was like it's a pretty, win and a half. Pretty big deal. Let me ask you this. How important is it going to be to take care of your stuff with all the flat tires we saw this weekend? Like, we could do a record number of pit stops. Can we just talk about that for a second? Everybody wants to keep on Goodyear. It is not Goodyear's fault no. that everybody's blowing tires. 
when you see guys blow tires, they're either wore out or especially for the all-star race, people were using that as a free test session to figure out how much camber they can get away with and how much air pressure they can get out of the tires to find grip. So that's why we saw a lot of guys blow tires again. They wanted to use the all-star race since there was no since there was no repercussions to crashing out of the all-star race, why not use that opportunity to see how much left grip you can make by letting air out? Way under what Goodyear recommends, probably four or five pounds. So, yes, if a team wants to push it, put more right front camber in to try to get a little more turn for the short run, take a little bit of air pressure out of the left rear to get some lateral grip, then that's what they did. And if they want to bust their ass, then let them do it. It's their own prerogative. If they want to bust their ass, toe the line of grip, so be it. It's not Goodyear's fault. The guys are pushing the boundaries. Goodyear shouldn't make an, an impenetrable tire. It should be something that you, if you want to go get that grip for four, five, ten laps, but risk blowing a tire and stuff in the fence, have at it. Go take it, bud. It's 40 right other there. vultures out there. It's 40 Man, other. Finish the race on their tires. That's it. That's it. For so, this week, maybe 20. 400 laps around there is so long. I mean, when the spotter keys up the road radio and he goes, all right, I man, it's halfway, you're like, oh, my goodness, halfway? So I have a whole other Xfinity race to go run in this thing. But, yes, it'll be more about managing your equipment more so than ever, putting yourself, keeping yourself in potential, contention on the lead lap. The 600 is the marathon for a reason. I love it. How many stops are we going to do? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I think we have 12 sets. Ooh, maybe more. I'm not exactly positive how many more. sets we have. But you'll probably use a lot of them. And depending on cautions, if there's cautions like we were this weekend, you're definitely going to pit. It's not going to be like Texas where you stay out and you're rarely going to take two tires. I, I would, I would imagine. I don't, I'm not real educated on what left sides we're going to have and all that, but Charlotte's a place where tire fall-offs is going to be big. And, uh, with these wheels now, if you do pit, you know, and you have a 20 lap set of scuffs, you don't have to re-glue them. You just put them right back on. So it opens up the, the a whole can of worms with being able to, you know, keep scuffs, or put your scuffs on at a certain time and keep stickers to the end if, if you see how the race is playing out. And, you know, these teams all have data that tells them when they think a caution's coming out. It's going to be interesting, but I think you could see definitely double-digit pit stops. One of my favorite things about this race is all the patriotic paint schemes, oh, Chuck. Yeah. They look so good. Uh, obviously, I'm partial to mine because I drive it, uh, but it does look cool. We're going to hear from Jim Whaley from the USO here in a second. We're going to talk about that paint scheme, but – Talking about some other paint schemes and not being biased, which ones of that you've seen so far look the, look the best? I mean, Chase's is simple. Like, it's the colors that he's changing. But anytime I see the red, white, and blue on the car, like, I like your paint scheme with sort of the camo. There's 25 cars with red, white, and blue on it. Pick one. Bowman's car looks good. Bowman's car does look good. Ally always knocks it out of the park. My favorite. What's your favorite patriotic scheme of all, of all time? Uh... Junior, well, Senior ran it, and then I think Junior ran it again. It's like a tribute, uh, but it's, you know, one of the red, white, and blue Earnhardt paint schemes. I like yeah. I like the, the first year. I forgot what year it was, the first year that they ran the arm services on the cars, and it just says, like, Army, Navy, oh, Air yeah. Force, Marines, yeah. and it it's was, just the camo for the yeah, different Yeah, National ones. Guard. Was it, like, yeah. 90, was it 90, 91, or 92? Uh, Kowicki's car, like yeah. – was one of the ugliest things ever, but it's perfect. But it it's was like so the fir- that was the first That's time that they put any of the branches on the cars. And like that was sort of like to me, what is awesome about Charlotte with what Humpy started back in the 80s with doing the uh, the basically mock battles 
on the front stretch. And then you throw in the paint schemes. A couple of years ago, we did a couple Is of Is that features. what sparked your interest? No, I just, I think. They used to it, blow stuff up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Would, like explode, like mock houses and stuff in the infield. What, what's the amount of money, Chuck, it would take to shoot you out of a cannon? Before the I'm weekend. not doing the cannon. Did you thing. hear? Did you hear Waltrip this weekend pre-race talking about shooting his ex-wife out of that cannon? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! I saw somebody tweeted that your crew chief got ejected, and that's how they ejected him. Your car chief got ejected. They load you up in the cannon, <laughs> shoot you out. outside the track. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty funny. Yeah, get your backpack, launch that thing first. <laughs> That's a gimmick I could get behind for the All Star Race. Yes, if you get knocked out, like have have rounds where you get knocked out and they just shoot you out yes. of the track, never to be seen again until next week. But the history of the paint schemes and the like, especially like Memorial Day weekend with the names on the windshields of the car. I know we're that's like shifting. Yeah. It's always a hard transition with Memorial Day weekend and racing because we're honoring our fallen soldiers and heroes on the windshields of the car, but we're also having a great time and you know, running this spectacular event that's an endurance race almost. So it's just, it's cool to see that balance of paying tribute to those that paid the ultimate sacrifice and then also enjoying a weekend of American speed. Hell yeah. For, for whatever reason, Jimmy's last Charlotte car, the green and the white stencil numbers, that's my favorite Patriot scheme. There's been plenty of other ones as well, but there's going to be plenty of them here on, on track this weekend, 6 p.m. Eastern time on the big one on Fox. Everybody's tuning in. We have a sellout crowd at Charlotte this weekend, but our guest has been sitting here for a couple minutes. Let's get him on. I don't want to have him wait any longer. Mr. Jim Whaley from the USO joins us right after this. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, guys, we're joined by a very special guest today. I have a very special paint scheme this weekend for the Coca-Cola 600 because we have USO on the car. I am joined by none other than Mr. Jim Whaley, regional president for the Southeast Division of the USO. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here. Man, just get everybody up to speed. If they, I'm sure everybody see, has seen that notorious logo of the USO, but maybe not a lot of people know the mission and what those guys are doing for active military. Sure. Well, the USO started in 1941. We've been around for 81 years, and our job is to bring a little bit of home for all our servicemen and women, no matter where they're deployed. Uh, so we try to make their life better. Uh, we do that through a number of ways, through programming for families, uh, through the ability to have locations across the globe where we're deployed in the Army and Navy and Air Force, Marines. So. Just recently, we, we sent a whole bunch of uh, soldiers from Fort Bragg and 
Fort Campbell, Kentucky, to Eastern Europe for the current issues going on there. Well, they leave a family behind, right? So we, we do things to help that family. And in many cases, they're not allowed to bring their phones with them. So we set up telecommunications so they can call home. And you can imagine what that's like as a 19, 20-year-old guy. And maybe you have a girlfriend or maybe you have a family at home. You want to be able to talk to them. USO has been doing that for 81 years. Every Across the globe, we have about two over 270 locations. Uh, and so we're uh, a part of the American fabric. Man, big week. A lot of pressure on me this weekend, Chuck. To perform for everybody that's watching our USO car go around Charlotte Motor Speedway. But Memorial Day is certainly a, a somber uh, holiday, if you will. And you said something before we jumped on here to start recording about what, what the USO does for our fallen military members. What's that? Yeah, so anytime uh, there's a, a recovery of a body from even World War II or World War One, or recently from training accidents or in harm's way, we make sure that that family is treated uh, with the utmost dignity. We make sure that that coffin has an American flag on it, that it comes off the tarmac, that the family's there to meet it. We take care of the family. We escort that body uh, with uh, you know, the utmost respect and military honors to its final destination. Uh, and we do that across the, across the nation. I've attended many of them personally. They're all moving. They make a difference for families. Um, and it's an important thing that the USO does. We don't really publicize that, but we do it. And uh, we have lots of volunteers that make that happen. A lot of retired military, a, a lot of uh, families that have uh, connections to the military. Uh, you know, just in the Southeast region, we have over 5,000 volunteers. So we have a lot of ways this weekend in particular, uh, using our seven car, our Chevy Camaro to raise some support and awareness for the USO, uh, one of which... I wish I had, I should have been wearing it right now. We're giving away, not giving away, with a $29 donation. We have a special USO, what do they call it? What are we call it? The, the uniform of a military supporter? Yes, U.S. military supporter. U.S. military supporters. So if you go on USO.org, $29 donation gets you a t-shirt that we'll be wearing around the racetrack all weekend. What, other, what are some other ways people that are watching the race on Sunday can get involved? Well, they can they can tell their family and friends about what the USO does, right? They can they can donate money, they can volunteer, um, they can go to our website and see all the things that we're doing in their local area and see how they can be helpful to it. The USO is spread across the nation, uh, and like I said, overseas as well. All of those things require support, right? We're a nonprofit. It's important that we make sure our troops, our sons and daughters, our our brothers and sisters fathers and mothers are taken care of in the best way possible. And the only way we do that is with support and the generosity of the American public. And there is no nation in the world that's more generous than the American public. But the USO is uh, part of, like I said, the fabric of the military. It's a fabric of our nation. Uh, and it's important for people to understand that. So you spent 20 years in the Army and you worked as a helicopter I was a helicopter pilot. pilot and, and as well as a trainer, you said? Yeah, I was an instructor pilot for many years. And... I told you about where the saying stacking pennies came from, and you had your own variation of uh, stacking pennies and habits. So tell our listeners how a U.S. Army helicopter pilot stacks pennies. Well, we stack pennies by making sure that we, we understand in and out how that helicopter works. And then we practice emergency procedures over and over again. So they become rote, uh, they become a 
part of your nature. And so that when things are really going bad, you have that muscle memory, you have that mental memory to know how to do that. And I remember my instructor pilot that taught me to be an instructor pilot, uh, his criticism of me was you spoke that I spoke too fast. And so he made me slow down. It would put me in these awful positions, right, of spiraling out of the air and to talk slower because he didn't want me to sound nervous over the radio. <laughs> and he said, because that's not Jesus. Be that's not becoming uh, an Army helicopter pilot. And so I went, okay. So I learned to slow it down. To talk slower as you're free falling out of the air. Right. Did you get good at it? I got very good at it. <laughs> that's, that's something you could apply in a race car. Like if something's guess. going on, just talk, speak slow, say what's wrong with the car. Yeah, I mean, I think you you have a bit more time if you're free falling to like go through your check marks and get that thing running again. Usually, it's like something sort of a bang and then pow shortly thereafter. But Jim, I just wanted to thank you again for jumping on. It's gonna be a huge week this week. I encourage everybody to go check out USO.org. Chuck, what you got? I got a question. So, like, yes, when you think of the USO and you know your time in service, you know, like you always kind of think of like Bob Hope speaking to the troops like what are some moments that like you experienced in your career in the military or like since you've been working with the uso they've really stood out as like memorable moments that like really stuck with you well i have lots of them but i'll just give a couple recent ones so during uh the holidays we ha we call it exodus uh, because all the soldiers in uh, airmen and marines are coming out of their training bases so fort jackson uh south carolina is the largest army training facility so during the holidays, all those kids are coming out. I say they're kids, they're young soldiers. They're coming out of that training environment and going home, thousands of them. Many of them, it's the first time they flew and we take care of them when they come through. So it's an emotional moment to see those kids going to Fort Jackson for their basic training. But it's even more emotional seeing when they finally get home for Christmas after they've been away from home, probably the first time. And our volunteers are there to take care of them, feed them, make sure they get some rest, make sure they get to the right air aircraft and at the right time. But there are a whole bunch of other reasons uh, that the USO stands out for me. I mean, just seeing when we go out to a training facility and they've been out in the field for 12 weeks. And for your listeners, out in the field means no showers, right? No hot food. You're sleeping on the ground if you got any sleep. And you're doing that day in and day out. And then all of a sudden, there's a truck that shows up with great food and hot coffee. You can imagine what that does for them. Uh, and we do things like that. It's seeing, we have a reading program, the Bob Hope reading program. So we can have soldiers record reading a book to their son and daughter and then they deploy and we send that recording to that little girl or little boy and they get to hear their dad. So it gives them a sense of normalcy as they don't see their mother and father for some time. And all those things make a big difference. Real dusty in here, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. made me start crying. Big weekend this weekend at Charlotte. Uh, the Coke 600 is one of my favorite races, but uh, NASCAR and Coca-Cola have been synonymous for as long as I can remember. But there's been way more work in relationship with USO and Coca-Cola from the inception of it. So give us a little insight on that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, 1941, you know, the start of World War II, USO comes into being uh, because of Franklin Roosevelt wanting to do something to support our troops. Coca-Cola was a partner of ours in Atlanta, right? I mean, they were bottling in Atlanta. We knew that. Uh, and to bring a little bit of home to all these troops, Coca-Cola, partnered with USO to go to those dances, to deliver Coke. And as World War II progressed and the Army went to, and Navy went to all these different places in the world, 
Coca-Cola went with us and that helped them grow as a company. And, and Coca-Cola has been our longest and, and most generous of sponsors for the USO for 82 years. Man. It's those iconic photos of like a soldier in right. the Pacific sipping on a ice cold Coca-Cola. I, I'm, yeah, I'm a history nerd. So like that type of stuff right. really, uh, you know, kind of, I geek out on that. Yeah. Do you drink a glass bottle of Coke on the battlefield, Chuck? I pretend to. I reenact drinking. I don't actually drink a Coca-Cola. You just got to pretend to do it. Well, guys, uh, there you heard it from the man Jim Whaley himself. That seven car looks good this weekend. A lot of weight I'm carrying. A lot of, a lot of people behind that well, thing. Well, don't look at his weight. Look at it as a lot of support because there's not a military yeah. member in this universe of ours that's not going to look at the USO car and be cheering for it. And that's the mothers and fathers and daughters and sons and all those are going to know about that. And they're going to be uh, supporting you, praying for you, and hoping that you do the very best you can. Oh, love you, that. You're going to be out there this weekend at the track? I wouldn't miss it for the world. So, was last year you were the Grand Marshal? I was. was it? Waved, the, waved the green flag for the Coke 600? What was that like? Just like that like loud. feeling of it, waving the flag? It was It was loud. It was... <laughs> it, it was I mean, the crowd, the energy of the crowd is just phenomenal. They're just looking at you, and they're so pumped up. They're so happy for you to be able to do that. Climbing up the rickety ladder, that, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, holding that green flag, and when they and the guy telling me up there, don't let him see the green flag until I grab your arm, because if they see green, they're coming. So he grabs my arm, and I, you know, wave the flag, and I'm all excited about it. And what he didn't tell me is the vacuum that that, produces when it goes by so you feel that flag that's getting pulled right out of your hand and i was like oh i can't drop this mom and dad are watching <laughs> that's the number one rule you yeah, cannot they, drop the flag they should put like a little uh, tether on the bottom so like that way it won't you know fall on the well i'm scared it might take jim with it yeah, yeah that's right because <laughs> then you have to pull out the yellow flag to go pick up the other flag <laughs> and the whole thing. where are you going to be hanging out on sunday with us Try to get down on the field. I'm going to go to the Saturday dinner as well, yep. uh, where you're going to be talking to Brian, my colleague at USO. And 5.30 to 6.30, guys, if you're paying attention or listening here at this point. Speed Street has moved from downtown Charlotte or uptown Charlotte to the racetrack. Uh, so I'll be making an appearance with a couple different people as well uh, from 5.30 to 6.30. And then we're going to be feeding some active duty uh, military members on Sunday uh, before the race, right? Before the race, right. And we'll have our USO mobile there like we always do. And we have, you know, goodies for them and uh, things that they can take home to their families. And we have gaming and all kinds of things for the kids. And we do our best to make it an enjoyable day for the, all of them. And that'll be in the, like the fan zone at the racetracks. That's right. Make That's sure right. everybody walks down there and checks it out. A lot of great stuff going on, not only for the USO and the U.S. military overall, but just a great weekend. Uh, it's going to be awesome, and uh, we're going to have a great time. And, again, USO.org. Go buy a T-shirt. I'll be wearing around all weekend. Hopefully see you there. Jim, thanks for jumping on, on the show with us. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And there you have it. Super pumped up for the support of the USO and every military member cheering that seven car on this weekend. But you're going to get a little bit of a glimpse of it before I get to drive it. Merriman. Yeah, so 
Tuesday night, which Tuesday is when we record this, release it Wednesday. So if you go on NASCAR's YouTube page and check out Coca-Cola iRacing Series race from Charlotte, you can see Nick Ottinger, who drives for William Byron Esports, running that same USO paint scheme. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the next iRacing event is at Worldwide Technology Raceway, May 31st at 9 p.m. Uh, pre-race show comes on 8.30 p.m. they'll take a break until nashville but yeah uh right in the middle of the season this eighth race of the year uh at charlotte so coca-cola sponsors that series sponsors the 600 do they have an extra long video game race? i think it's 150 <laughs> i think it's a 150 so yeah it's is that 600 long? mile video game yeah, i think race. it's long Ooh, 600 miles no oh race. my god your corneas will be burned out of your skull Just get you some blue light glasses What's, how many how many laps is it normally um i don't know I think it's 150 miles. I don't think it's 150 laps. I don't know. Don't quote me on it. I'm not an expert. The marathon I raced. Going on this week, Nick Andre getting my paint scheme for a whirl. I'm going to give some penny for your thoughts questions for a whirl here. Janie, what do we got? All right, Janie, got a couple questions this week. What we got? Dustin Worthy wants to know, Dale Jr. tweeted, the original application of PJ1 has ruined the surface. It can't be removed and over time reduces grip in the areas of application. Does this create a big concern in the future for other tracks that use this? Interesting question. Uh, good question because I don't know the answer really. Uh, all I know is Texas is jacked up. And the only way they fix that one is they take a bulldozer and at least fix turn one and two. Other than that, we can talk about PJ1 and resin all you want to. But as long as turn one and two at Texas remains the same, that track will be atrocious. Next question. Chris Berry asks, what process do you guys use to pick an armed service member to ride on the car with you in the 600? Every car that I've driven with a service member, it's been just given to me. There's different avenues that they can come from. People, teams can request certain people that, uh, you know, they have ties to. Um, so... I'm not sure exactly how it comes through, whether it comes from the racetrack, whether it comes through NASCAR. The teams can request the name as well. So a bunch of different avenues as well. So Lance Corporal Riley McCollum will be riding along with me this Sunday. I'm going to meet his family on Sunday, and I'm excited about it. This week, I have a question. I was in the 12 pit at the race on Sunday and noticed that you guys, along with other teams, were acting like you're going to pit and then never did. Is this a strategy to fake out other teams to get cars to come down, or do you genuinely not know if they're going to pit until the last minute? Uh, I think both, right? Like, all we get paid to do is pit that car. That's our only job. So, like, if you're not ready when the caution's out and they change their mind and you're not on the wall, then you really have a problem. So... So, like, that's why I'm always ready when the caution's out, no matter if we're going to stay out or not, especially we were in pit stall 36, so when you're that close to the opening, you don't have a time to react. But, you know, on on the two-car with Pat, he used to always go, sell it! And then, like, we, they, they, some would come down and be like, we got them! You know, like, obviously, most of the teams know what you're doing because they listen um, to what's going on. But, yeah, you do, you do try to fake people out. You think you're doing – it's more of, like, you think you're doing something, but you're really not. Now, is there a way that – you can fake teams out when you're doing two versus four. Yeah, they, they, no, not really. Because we don't set up any different. You always, even if you're doing two tires, you always set up for four in case you slide the tires or you have something wrong. You don't ever just like not put your left sides out or something like that. But do you guys have code words? Uh yeah, yeah. It's been less prevalent this year because all the races have been pretty straightforward. You put four on it. Yeah. Porcupine, porcupine. Yeah. Well, it used to be like there used to be. We used to get creative with them. I think it's a little bit different now. But uh, I did have a lot of questions this week about 
the name on my fire suit being wrong and i just haven't they just switched us so i just haven't gotten a fire suit yet we get we use puma and they make our fire suits in italy so duct tape i'm i and mean just, right Florida. like i've said if the wrong name is on your fire suit and you mess up it is not your fault and we have a bonus question. This comes from Higgy, our audio engineer, and he wants to know, after seeing some infield shenanigans in the Indy 500 driver's lot, Connor Daly with his hot tub being filled with Orbeez, have you ever been involved or heard about any good driver bus lot pranks in NASCAR? Dude, that's one of my favorite things to watch via Twitter. The whole month of May is those IndyCar guys playing pranks on each other. I read today that they took Romain Grosjean's scooter and put it on the roof of the Pagoda. I don't even know how that – I mean, I'm assuming there's an elevator that goes up there, but the act of trying to get your scooter off the roof of the Pagoda would probably be something funny to watch. As you mentioned, Connor Daly's hot tub, he was genuinely pissed off about that because he spent like 700 bucks. I texted him about it, and they dump all the water out and put like those little whatever jelly – balls in there and then today i also saw there was a golf cart i don't know whose it was sitting on top of some like garbage cans did you see that i didn't see that so i don't know if like those guys like the precedent is already set for rookies coming in like this is what we do you're gonna get pranks played on you india in particular guys don't do that i feel like that'd be pretty funny at daytona if like because we're there all week i don't think that guys like, guys don't like getting picked on in our deal. Like, everybody's really sensitive. I mean, Tony Stewart retired as a driver, <laughs> and, like, he used to be the guy that would play pranks on people from – we did a whole April Fool's story out of it a couple of years ago where everybody said, Tony Stewart plays pranks, and then he's gone. No pranks. The, I, I can give you a quick Tony Stewart story. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So the, the first time Danica came in to get fitted for a seat, he, they have um, a surface plate that has – you know, it's got the scales that push out of it. So under, there's like a pit under the surface plate and some of the scales can slide away. So she was getting fitted on that plate and he was underneath and he shot at her with a torch and brake clean, like a fireball. And she got scared. Then he came out of there and he was, it was like six o'clock at night. So there was a lot of people at the shop, but he was chasing her through the shop with a brake clean with the fireball coming out of it. And I'm like, this is Winston Cup racing right here. This is it. Welcome you know, to the show. I have a bone to pick with her because we when we did that feature a number of years ago, I asked the question, is anybody playing pranks in, in the garage? And she's like, no, not really. Well, and meanwhile, her boss. Getting a fire Tony, bottle. But Tony Stewart, fire. like the whole time, is like, yeah, I did this. I did <laughs> yeah. this. I oh, did yeah. this. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Can't admit weakness, Chuck. Hey. I wouldn't admit if somebody chased me around the shop with a <laughs> bottle of brake cleaner. I would. That's, that's yeah. Hey, just y'all, hashtag us. Penny for your thoughts. Send some more questions this week. Talk about some 600 stuff. Would love to hear what your questions are. Two Penny Sacker of the Week, one of which is Chuck Bush, birthday boy. Round of applause. Oh, yeah. Also, Joey Logano's birthday on Tuesday. and uh, it, it is Joey John Logano's birthday. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Cal yeah. Mountain Jr.'s birthday is today, too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A lot of NASCAR birthdays. Centerfold, Tory Playgirl Fox, Magazine. social guy. Just saying, man. May 24th. Mm -hmm. It's a big day. Big day. Big day. Many famous people, including Chuck Bush, born on the day. It's happy birthday, Chuck. They don't give you a cake. You got to finish fifth for them to do that around here. I got a tweet from Dover, so I'll take that. Nice. Gosh. Thank you, Dover Motorsports. And a shout out to Stag and Pennies, but it's not your birthday today, so the you know the yeah. day's already blown by. Who'd have thunk it? It happens. One more Penny Stagger of the Week. Another cool project, just like everything else Justin Marks and Trackhouse doing right now. Starting Project 91, saying that they're going to have a third cup car with some international guys, some guys who 
uh, think that they can make the transition into a NASCAR Cup Series race. Nothing's announced until Thursday, from what I understand. Who do we think it's going to be? I said it before in a text thread. I think it's going to be the ghost of Ayrton Senna. Like Casper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to figure out how to race a ghost. Also, just a little while ago, James Hinchcliffe tweeted, do Canadians qualify asking for a friend? That's a lie. He's asking for him. So, so it's obviously not him they're going to announce this week. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be a road course of some sort. The one coming up soon is Sonoma, but that's here in two weeks, so it won't be that. It'll be one here later in the year, I would imagine. Uh, who do we think? Who do you think? I, I either want it to be Daniel Ricardo or Randy Sandstorm. Or Rodney Sandstorm, <laughs> Rodney whatever Sandstorm. the hell his name is. Yeah. Yes. Merriman, who do you think it is? All right. <laughs> My, Good. His mic doesn't work. <laughs> if your mic did work, just sign it real quick and we'll say that's a uh, That's a super cool program. Nonetheless, I'm, I'm certainly going to be tuning in to see who he sticks Who's in at number guess? 90. Who's my guess? I don't think it's going to be a, a F1 guy, even though they are on summer break. So that would be pretty cool to see. I have some inside hints on who it potentially might be, but really nothing to hone in on. I don't know. I think who, it's just a cool concept. For sure. Now, who – let's just – Take, let's stop guessing who it might be for the first one. What are some other names that they could put in that car that would really draw a crowd? I liked your – you said Daniel Ricciardo, right? Yeah. Like, I like He's that one. big NASCAR guy. I know. Like, I think that'd be kind of badass. I mean, if you could get a Lewis Hamilton – like, if you could get one of those big-name guys, like, I think it'd be, it's, it's like pie in the sky, yeah. right? But I think it opens it up to a lot of opportunities. And I, I think nowadays with social media, a F1-style crossover like Kimi Raikkonen did or even Juan Pablo would be appreciated a lot more and talked about worldwide more so than it, it was uh, back in the day before that. So stay tuned to that, Project 91. They're doing some really cool stuff over there at Trackhouse per usual. That's all I got. As always, we appreciate you guys. Go check out USO.org. Like, subscribe, rate, be nice to us. Or be mean to us in the comment. Doesn't matter because we appreciate you and the time you spend with us each and every week. Some core with joy and thank you all for stacking pennies. Fuel your cravings with Coca Cola Racing and Burger King. Sign up for Royal Perks and play the Thirst for Speed game on the Burger King app daily for a chance to win a VIP race experience or 10 grand. That's a lot of pennies. See details and rules at bk.com forward slash Coke Thirst for Speed.